Good morning. If you don't know me, my name is Eric Putman. I am the pastor of Junior High Ministries, and I have the incredible opportunity to share God's word with you this morning. I don't know about you, but I watched that video and wow, it just hit me like that is me right there. And uh, today I have the incredible uh, opportunity to share with you. And we're in a series right now uh, about what our purpose is all about. And if you were here last week, you heard Pastor Stephen talking about inspiring Christ-likeness. And for the next three weeks, we are going to talk to you about how we as a church do that by reaching out, by raising up, and by reverencing the Lord. And this morning, I want to share with you, how do we reach others? And the title of my message is, how do we reach others in a selfie-centered world? And I will explain more about that later. But I did a lot of research this week, and it comes to show us, and I've come to find out that we are becoming a society, we are becoming a culture that actually cares less and less about other people and more about ourselves. And I want to share with you a survey, a study that I, that I found this week. The University of Michigan did a comprehensive study on 14,000 college students between the years 1979 and 2009. And what they found was that there was a drastic decline in empathy. The results of this massive study show that we care, listen to this, 40% less about others than we did in the 1980s. 40% less we actually care about, about others. And the most tragic thing about that is a lot of us are probably going to hear that this morning and not think twice about it. And we're kind of focused on us and what we want for lunch and that kind of thing. But I just want you to understand that as a society, we care 40% less than we did in 1980. I was interested how they found those numbers. And they would have these surveys and they would rank them one to five, one being the lowest, five being the greatest. And every year from 1979 to 2009, they would have statements and you would have to rank where you fall. And one statement might say, I sometimes try to understand friends better at looking at things from their perspective. One being the least, five being the greatest. Another might say, I often have tender feelings about people less fortunate than me. And they found that there's been the significant drop. Fewer people call themselves soft-hearted and others' misfortunes just don't bother us as much as they used to. A 40% drop from 79 to 2009. And this raises the question, why are we caring less about others? And one of the top causes and one of what this video tried to explain is that the rise in social media actually causes people to care less. The rise in Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, I don't know if you have these accounts, maybe you do, uh, smartphones and being on your phone, it's actually making us think more about ourselves and less about others. But here's why we might be caring less for others. Number one is we are more obsessed with ourselves. We are more obsessed with ourselves. If you are younger or, or the word selfie is becoming a part of your normal day-to-day -day vocabulary, I have news for you. That's not normal, okay? Taking a, a phone and pointing it at your face and taking a picture of yourself and uploading it to the internet for people to see, that's just not normal, okay? And um, in fact, I, for those of you, you might not even know what a selfie is. I have a few examples. Uh, one right here is Pastor Steven. Um, <laughs> that's what you call the duck face uh, pose, I guess. I don't know. He's just being Steven. And then uh, Pastor John, he's on vacation in Hawaii. And uh, he sent me a selfie from Hawaii, just rubbing it in. I hope his uh, phone case is waterproof. And 
my first selfie that I ever have ever taken was last service. And I wanted to take one to get on record of me preaching so I could send it to my mom. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a selfie. Feel free to smile, wave, whatever. It's all right there. Okay, there you go. All right, there you go. Thank you. Send to mom later. All right. But the truth is, is we are becoming more and more obsessed with ourselves. Second thing, second reason we care less about others is an overwhelming exposure to suffering. It desensitizes us. An overwhelming exposure to suffering desensitizes us. The more pain that we see, the harder it is for us to care. For example, when I was a little kid and I was watching television, a commercial would come on. There would be a man in Africa walking around these starving little children saying, hey, feed them a dollar a day. You can take care. And I would watch this commercial and it would bring me to tears. I would actually have to turn the channel. Sometimes I'd run to my dad and say, we have to feed the kids in Africa. Okay. But when I was a kid, I would watch these and I was moved. I was touched. I was like, we have to do something. But over time, the more you see this, the suffering the more easy access we have to all of this, the less we tend to care. Also, experts say, now that we see everything on a timeline, um, if you're on Facebook or if you're on a news website, everything is kind of equal on the page. And um, we struggle to understand what's important. Like, for example, you may see a new recipe for guacamole, okay? And then under that, you may see there's another beheading that goes on in some part of the world, and then under that, you'll see a funny cat video. And then under that, you'll see um, breakout of Ebola is in the U.S., okay? And our brains actually have a hard time comprehending what's more important. I thought that was very interesting. We have a harder time understanding what's more important. And because it's equal on the page, it becomes equal in our mind. The third reason we care less is a lack of personal interaction. It makes it easier for us not to care. We're getting to the point to where we don't meet with people as often or, or talk on the phone as much as we used to. You know, it used to be sit down for coffee and, and you know, talk about your life and ask them about their life. And, um, but now we already know what's going on in their lives because we see it online. We know what their vacation was like and we know what's going on. And we don't even do phone conversations anymore because we text. I will... Uh, sometimes try to call one of my students and I won't get an answer, go to voicemail. And then he'll text me right away, say, what did you want? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I wanted to talk to you on the phone. And, but that's just the way it is now. A lot of people are just conversing through text and not through conversation. But for example, if uh, say, for example, you lost your job and you post that online or send that out in an email that you lost your job, um, I'm going to see that and I'm, I'm going to be very concerned for you. And I'm going to say, I'm going to pray for you. And I might or might not, I could forget, right? And I might even respond back, hey, you know, I hope things are great. I'm praying for you. But if you sit down with me face to face over coffee and you tell me that you lost your job and I see the desperate look in your eye wondering how you're going to make rent. And I see you wondering how you're going to take care of yourself and just see that struggle. I am all of a sudden moved to this deep, deep emotional connection with you. There's something about personal interaction and we are lacking in that. It's easier 
to disconnect from a distance. So what's the challenge? We need to understand as followers of Christ, God calls us to so much more than this, that compassion counts, that that reaching out counts. And I want to give you two main thoughts that I just really want to drive home today. And number one is this, true compassion demands action. True compassion demands action. The Greek word that is translated as compassion is splagnizomehi. Okay, I'm going to say that again because I've been practicing it all week. All right, splagnizomehi. All right, that is the Greek word for compassion. And here's what it means. It means for the bowels to yearn. Okay, the bowels to yearn. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really know what that means. Um, (laughs) Sounds kind of serious. I don't know. But your insides, your intestinal, it's doing something when you have compassion. There is this aching, this yearning on the inside for someone else to feel deep sympathy. And here's what the Bible dictionary says for mehi. It means to feel deep sympathy, to be moved to action. You see, compassion is not just an emotion. True compassion demands action. Number two, it says this, to say that you care, but not act is to really not care at all. To say that you care, but not act is to not care at all. You know, sometimes we see something online or hear about someone going through a difficult time in their life and we say we care, but we don't really do anything about it. It means being involved, caring is acting, reaching others is acting, it's being involved, it's loving the person. It's being moved to help. And it amazes me when you look at the life of Jesus, every time you see the word compassion in the gospels related to Jesus, it is always represented by a corresponding action. Every single time you see Jesus was moved with compassion. And every time you see him do something about it, he felt something. Therefore he did something. And there's all sorts of examples. And I just want to point out a few of them. Mark chapter one, 40 through 41 says this, a man with leprosy came and knelt begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can make me clean. You can heal me and make me clean. Jesus was moved with compassion, splagnizel mehi. And therefore he acted, he reached out and he touched the man. And he said, I am willing, he said, be healed. Matthew 14, 14, Jesus landed and saw such a huge crowd and says he had compassion. What did he do? He healed the sick. You know, he didn't just see this crowd or see the sick and say, hey, I'll be praying for you. Or, hey, I hope things are going to go well, but I, I have to go. No, Jesus showed compassion. He moved to action. Matthew 20, 34 says this. Some blind guys were crying out to Jesus. What did he have? Compassion. And what did he do? He touched their eyes and they received sight and followed him. See, Jesus felt compassion, therefore he acted. True compassion demands action. To say that you care, but to not act is to really not care at all. And it's tragic to me that we live in a society that would care 40% less about people. And here's the bottom line. The more that I obsess over myself, 
obviously the less I'm going to think about others, right? Or care for others. The more that I think about me and wonder how my life's going and just, it's always about me. I'm going to care less about others. But the more that I obsess over Jesus and the more that I try to have this relationship with him and want to know him and serve him and get close to him, the less I suddenly stop caring about me and start caring for others. Suddenly I will deny myself. I will take up my cross and, uh, you know, it means dying to yourself. It means following him. The more I think of Jesus, the more I care for other people. And I want you to think about this. When is the last time that you have given a whole day or even a weekend to serve someone else? And I'm not talking about for money. I'm not talking about out of obligation. But when is the last time you had that bow yearning feeling where you said, you know what? I need to help somebody. When is the last time you did it um, that you've gone out of your way to give financially? Again, not out of obligation, but because you felt like people needed help. You felt that compassion, therefore you acted. When is the last time you didn't do something you really wanted to do because you invested that time in someone else? Some have, some of us can't even remember that last time. And don't get me wrong, there might be some of us in here who are doing this on a regular basis. We are showing compassion. We are meeting needs. We are reaching others. But I got to be honest with you. When I did the study and was reading the scripture, I was really convicted I spend a lot of time looking at me. I spend a lot of time with my face and my cell phone and online looking at stuff. And it's just been about me. And here's the conclusion that I came to. That if we're not reaching out to others, it might tell us that we're not as close. It might be telling us that we're not as close to Jesus as we think we are. When you're close to him, When you are close to Jesus, life is not about us. It's about glorifying him through helping others. And what I want to do this morning is I want to read one of the greatest stories ever told in the Bible on compassion. And I want to focus on how we can learn from this and go from here with a passion to reach out and to help others. If you would turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to start with verse 30. A lot of you know the story. It's a very popular story that Jesus told titled the good Samaritan. Read with me in verse 30, Jesus replied with the story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then verse 33, then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. 
Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to give you three points I came that came out from the story about what compassion does. Number one is that compassion interrupts. Compassion interrupts. The Samaritan came along. He saw this man. He felt compassion for him. In verse 34, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. You see this task, seeing this man, this enemy beaten on the ground, this wasn't part of his plan to help him. This wasn't part of his daily agenda. He had to go out of his way. He had to be interrupted to help him. And if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was constantly interrupted by needs. And I just want to give you a few examples. Mark chapter six, Jesus and the disciples had been doing ministry and they were exhausted, very tired. And Jesus says, hey, let's take a break. Let's rest. That was his idea. I don't know if you've ever been like that, where you are just spent, where you're tired from work or, or just your family. I don't know. And you just need some time to veg. You need some time to take a nap, to uh, watch some television, read a book, and you don't want to do anything but to relax. And this is kind of where Jesus and the disciples were. And then suddenly this big crowd comes up and he was moved with compassion. And when he wanted to rest, Jesus got up and he taught them. Because that's what you do when you're moved with compassion. You do something. He was interrupted and he served them. Luke chapter eight says this. He, uh, Jesus was on his way to heal a dying girl. Another woman comes up and says that she's sick. I'm sick. And Jesus healed the woman first and then went on to heal the girl. Here Jesus was on his way to a dying girl. And I mean, I, I must think that's pretty important, right? All of a sudden, this woman who'd been sick for 12 years just reaches out to him. What does Jesus do? He's interrupted, but he turns around and he helps. There's another story, crazy story. Mark chapter two, Jesus is teaching in a house and it's very crowded in this house. And four crazy men are trying to get their paralyzed friend to the house, but the house is too crowded. So what do they do? They try to lower him from the rooftop. Okay. So Jesus is teaching and then all of a sudden, these rooftop droppings start falling on his head. And all of a sudden, he sees this paralyzed man being lowered to the ground. I don't know about you, but if I'm up here preaching and I see someone coming down from the ceiling, I, I don't know what I would do, actually. But it would definitely be an interruption. I would want to continue with my sermon. I would want to continue to preach. But what does Jesus do? He stops what he's doing. He forgives the man's sins and he heals them. God often works through divine interruptions and we often miss them because we are busy doing our own thing. Back when I was in college, uh, I was serving for two weeks at a church in Atlanta, Georgia, helping with homeless people. And during that time, I actually had to fly to Oklahoma City to be in my college roommate's wedding. So I'm in Atlanta and during that week, I had to fly to Oklahoma City. So I'm getting ready to board and I get on the plane and I have to tell you right now that I probably shouldn't admit this as a pastor, but when I'm on an airplane, I really don't like talking to other people. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I will put on my headphones. Um, I will pretend like I'm reading a book or something. And whenever someone sits down next to me, I'm not mean about it. If someone wants to talk to me, I'll, I'll talk, but I just never really initiate conversation because I don't want to bother them either. And it's kind of weird. I don't know, but I just, I just would rather not talk. So here I am though on this plane and I don't want to talk. So I have my headphones in and 
I'm reading a book and all of a sudden this guy around my age, he sits down next to me and he's one of these guys that wants to talk. He just, he's, Hey, how come you're going to Oklahoma city? And I was like, okay, so we're talking. So I take off the headphones and and I tell him, oh, well, I'm going to go be in my roommate's wedding. He's like, oh, that's so cool. You know, I'm going to a wedding myself. And Great. Awesome. So we're fine. And we start talking about some random stuff. And about an hour in, I start to think that he said he was going to a wedding. Like, well, Oklahoma City's really big. Like the chances of it being the same wedding, there's no way. All right. And I was like, well, just for fun, I just asked, well, who's getting married? And he says, well, my sister's getting married. And I'm like, oh, great. What's her name? Her name's Stacy. Okay. Oh. My roommate, his fiance's name is Stacy. Okay. Um, and it turns out we were going to the same wedding. And I'm like, what are the chances of that? I'm not even from Atlanta, but here I am sitting next to a guy going to the same wedding as me. And it just boggled my mind. And he didn't really know the Lord at the time. And, but we got to really get to know each other. And we hung out at the wedding and the reception and exchanged information. And we, to this day, are good friends. And what happened is through time, he actually came to know the Lord. And now he's a youth pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, that's, that's amazing. And when I look back at it, I think this was kind of a forced interruption because he wanted to talk really bad, but I was just so happy that I was sensitive to the Lord at that time to be interrupted. And I wonder how many times I miss out on these opportunities because I have my face in my cell phone or I'm on the internet or I'm just not looking at the needs of the people around me. And it got me to the point where, man, I just want to I just need to reach out to everyone. Just there might be needs out there. Sometimes he works through divine interruptions. Bob Goff, who uh, he's an author and an inspiration. He's just such a great speaker. Uh, he, he, this is his quote, loving people the way Jesus did means living a life of constant interruptions. To say that you care, but not act is to not care at all. Number two, compassion cost. Let's go back to the story of the Good Samaritan. Verse 34, then he put the man on his donkey and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. See, he goes out of his way. He puts him on his donkey and he pays at that day and age, it would be two days of his earnings. Who would take two days worth of wages and help, not just a complete stranger, but a total enemy, someone that they despised. Compassion costs us, but a lot of times we want to do what's easy. We want to do what's convenient. And I don't know what this looks like for you, but, but my prayer is that we would be moved with compassion in some way, somehow to where we are willing to let it cost us, not just with money, but reaching out also costs us time. And some of you will be moved to compassion in some way, and it's going to mean giving up your time. Some of you might say, you know, I really want to serve. I really want to help others. I just don't have the time. I really want to serve in the church. I want to work in the nursery. I want to work in student ministries, but I just don't have the time. Compassion, reaching out and helping others, it costs you time. And we have to be willing to sacrifice. We have to be willing to give up time. And the third thing right here is compassion. It changes lives. 
Compassion changes lives. Everywhere Jesus went, when he was moved with compassion, he changed lives. And I think about all the people that Jesus touched, that he healed, and whose lives were changed because they came face to face with Jesus. I think about the man with leprosy who needed to be healed. And Jesus is there with his disciples and a man with leprosy at that day. It means he has a skin disease. He is unclean. He probably hadn't been touched in years. He probably hadn't been hugged or, or even talked to because he was ostracized from society because he had this disease, right? And here's Jesus doing this radical thing by literally reaching out to him. And the disciples are probably thinking, Jesus, you're crazy. What are you doing? Like, why, why are you reaching out to the sick man? But he doesn't just reach out, he touches him. And at that time, if you touch a man with leprosy, you yourself are considered unclean. But it's Jesus. So what happens? He makes the impure pure. And the man was healed. Jesus changed lives. I think about the woman who was bleeding for 12 years, who again, outcast from society. No one wants anything to do with her. She just fights through the crowd and she just begs, Jesus, please, can you please heal me? And she reaches out and touches his cloak. I need to be healed. Her life was forever changed by her interaction with Jesus. Here's the thing about compassion, about life change, is that it's intentional and it's deliberate. It comes from those willing to put their comfort aside, to take their blinders off to those who are hurting and to act upon it. You see, hurting people aren't just going to fall into our laps when we're sitting in our living room watching television, okay? Hurting people aren't just going to randomly come to Grace Community Church on a Sunday morning by random chance. Some might, but most of it requires us being willing to reach out to those and to bring them in, and their lives could be forever changed. I mentioned Bob Goff a minute ago. He has a book out right now, and I would recommend this. It's called Love Does. It's such an incredible book, easy read. John's mentioned it before and even told a story out of it before. And that's what this title is all about, Love Does. Love is action. It's not about saying we love you. It's not about any of that. It's about actually doing. It's about showing it. And he opens up the book with a chapter titled, I'm In. And what happened in this chapter. See, Bob was in high school. This was many, many years ago. Bob was in high school and he didn't really know what he was going to do with his life. He didn't really like school. He didn't make good grades. And he had a dream about actually just going to Yosemite and about just getting a job and climbing rocks every day. That's what he wanted to do. So Bob's in school and he has some friends and um, they're just hanging out and he doesn't really like school. And all of a sudden he, one day he meets this man named Randy and Randy is a youth leader for Young Life. And Randy gets to know Bob and all of his friends. And he builds this relationship with Bob. And he tries to tell him about Jesus, but nothing really stuck at that time. And they just became really good friends. And then one day before Bob's junior year in high school, Bob just says, you know what? I'm done with school. I am, it's time for me to go to Yosemite and live my dream. So he packed up all of his stuff. He got in his VW bug. He had $75 and he was off to Yosemite. He dropped out of high school. But before he did, he wanted to go by Randy's house really quick just to let him know, hey, thanks for being a good friend. Thanks for just sharing with me your life, but I'm off. And Randy says, hey, can you hold on one second? And Bob's like, sure. 
So he waits a few minutes and here comes Randy back from the back room and he has a backpack and a sleeping bag, sleeping bag in his hands. And he says, let's go. And Bob's like, what? Yeah, I want to go with you. Can I go to Yosemite with you? And Bob's like, all right, let's go. So Bob and Randy go to Yosemite and, and, and Randy's just there to encourage them to be there for him. They didn't really have anything like a tent even. So they snuck into a campsite and then Bob tried to get a job. He tried to get a job at a restaurant. They denied him right away. And Randy's like, Hey, Bob, no matter what happens, I'm in, I'm here for you. Bob tried to get another job at a camping site and, and got turned away. And Randy said, Hey, don't be discouraged. If you want to do this, you can do this. I'm here for you. I'm in, let's go climb some rocks. So they go and they climb some rocks and have a good time. And finally they go and look for another job for Bob. And sure enough, gets denied and, and turns out Bob's just discouraged. He says, you know what? It's not working. I don't think I'm supposed to be here anymore. It's time for me to go back to high school. And Randy just says, Bob, whatever you want, I'm in. And here's the thing about Bob is he really looked up to Randy because Randy, he just thought he was the coolest thing ever. He had a motorcycle. He had a girlfriend like, and he just really looked up to Randy. So he said, hey, it's time to go back to school. So they drive back home and they're about to drop Randy off at his house. And they walk into the house and Bob sees a lot of gifts on the ground. He sees a stack of plates and he sees some wrapping paper. And he's like, is it, is it Randy's birthday? Is it his girlfriend's birthday? I don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden his so-called girlfriend, she comes from the back and says, Hey, welcome home, honey. And Bob, it's puts it all together that, that Randy had just gotten married. And what he was shocked because Randy, this newly married man, youth leader, gave up the first few days of his marriage to go help a kid in Yosemite and say, I'm here with you because, because he was struggling. And the impact that had on Bob. Now, I don't know about my wife. I think she'd probably be upset if I just got married and said, hey, I'm going to go spend a few days with a student, Right. But I think about the impact that had not only on Randy's life who helped him, but on Bob's life. Because here we are like 40, 50 years later, and Bob is this huge inspiration to so many. And he looks back and shares the story of this youth leader having an impact on his life. Here's the thing about compassion and about life change. Is that it doesn't just change the life of the one you're helping. It, changed, it changes the lives of the one who is helping. How many times do we hear or, or maybe we've experienced this ourselves where we go on a trip, on a missions trip, and we go to help others and to reach out to others, and we're the ones whose lives are forever changed because we see the need, because we are filled with compassion. I don't know your story, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you don't struggle with this whole idea of compassion. Maybe you're doing your best to reach the lost and to the hurting every day. But I have to be honest, like this has really convicted me reading these scriptures. And I do a great job a lot of times at expressing my, my concerns for the world. But when it comes to actually acting upon it, I usually like to stay comfortable to stay where I am, to stay where I'm at. But I want to get to that point where Randy was, where I just say, you know what? I'm in. I don't care if it interrupts my life. I don't care if it costs me. I'm in. 
Maybe it's time we stop focusing on ourselves. Maybe it's time we get our face out of our cell phones when we're on a date with our spouse or with friends. Maybe it's time that we get off that internet and play with our kids. Maybe it's time that we look around us and see the hurting and actually do something about it. And here's the challenge I have for all of us this morning. How and where is God calling you to care? What action will you take this week and how can you show compassion? Compassion to ache from the inside for someone else in a society where we care less for people. I believe that this is unacceptable in the church that represents our Lord Jesus Christ. And as a church, my prayer is that we will care and because we care that we will act. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you're speaking to us this morning. And I thank you in advance for all the lives that are going to be forever changed when we are moved with compassion like Jesus was into action for your glory. Lord, we realize this morning that compassion interrupts and that it costs. And I pray, Father, that you will pour out a spirit of compassion over every single person in here. I pray that we are moved to help others, that we will get out of the daily routine of our lives and notice those hurting all around us. Help us change lives for your glory, Lord. Help us be a church that reaches out to others. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, You are dismissed. Have a great day.